Here's the big question. How is it that most entrepreneurs hustle and are always busy and struggle to take just one step forward only to fall two steps back? They're dedicated, determined, and driven, but only a few finally break through and win. This show uncovers those quantum leap patterns of highly successful people so you can simply model what they do and apply to your future success. That's the question, and the answers are right here. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. That is right. Welcome, everyone, to the Success Pattern Show. My name is Brigitte Höfele. As I uh, just introduced myself to you, we are here as we put the do in learn, do, teach. I'm the founder of the Success Patterns Movement and the CEO of the Center of NLP. And Success Pattern Show, let me just decipher it for you because that's exactly what we do. We do a lot of deciphering. We do a lot of um, decoding and encoding and really kind of peeling back the layers of uh, how are people being successful and you know what? Success isn't one thing. Like if you look in the dictionary, it doesn't say, oh, everyone is successful when this happens. No, success changes with each success seeker, with each person that is either successful or looking to be successful. It might involve money. It might not involve money. It might be in your business. It might be in your personal life. It might be in both. So it is not one clear perfect definition of what success is. And that's why we have these incredible guest experts that are here being interviewed on the Success Pattern Show because we peel back those layers of how are they successful and what brought them there and um, how are they seeking to uh, continue to grow and to continue to seek success, whatever that means for them. A lot of our leaders that are here in the Success Pattern Show as as, uh, special guest experts are continuous learners. And there's a pattern right there that um, I'm surrounding myself with guest experts that are the servant leaders that are looking to continuous growth that are not coming from a mindset of, oh, I already know that. Because when you say that, all of the learning already ceases. So that's the success part. The patterns part is an example. A pattern is an example for others to follow. And that's why we're here. We're not here to, you know, be the good, great talking heads uh, and pat ourselves on the shoulder of how great we are. We're here for you because when you can decode someone's pattern of getting where you want to go, then you can actually encode it for your own self. And that's that's what modeling is. You you look how people are behaving, what do they value, how which action steps are they taking? So you can then mirror it and applied in your own life. Uh, as, as humans, we're hardwired for hands-on application. And we are very hands-on rich here in the Success Pattern Show. So today, I have an incredible guest expert, um, and we're going to give you tips on how to model that success of where she is leading us today, because she has a clear message. And not just she has a clear message. Actually, you have a clear message. And if you're not clear about your message yet, she will help you to really get your message clear because we all have a message 
that is worth hearing. We all have a message that needs to be heard, and she helps you to get that message out. She's been a TEDx speaker coach for the last six years. Uh, she works at a university. We're going to hear her story, and we're going to I'm going to uh, ask her a little bit about the background. But she has um, she has been uh, uh, leading and and supporting other TEDx speakers and really getting their message out. And um, there are people that have been denied of speaking on a or not even they have applied. Maybe it's not even denying. Maybe they just didn't get through because there's so many applications that you send in when you're looking to speak at a TEDx stage. She will help you to clarify that message. And because of her, I am also speaking on a TEDx stage. So we're going to hear more about that. So she's here to uplevel the visibility as a go-to expert, because when you're on a TEDx stage, you are the go-to expert in whatever you're speaking about. She helped with she helps with applications. She helps with uh, the flow of what to say and when to say it and what not to say. And you know, um, we and as as success um, as part of the success laws, we also look at feedback, not failure, but feedback. And there's great feedback in when you're you know, not, not being taken uh, as a TEDx speaker or you're being denied. So she helps you what to say, how to say it. Um, and she's got 1.78 million views uh, from a TEDx talk that she helped. So please help me welcome. And if you are in a car, don't stand up. But for everyone else, stand up on your feet and help me welcome Miss Maya Lisa Adams. Maya Lisa, so good to have you. So good to be with you, Brigida. Thank you so much. So, you know, you come highly recommended, um, not just by me, but by many. And um, I have gone through your program and students have gone through your program. How did you get to be a TEDx coach? Well, the reason partly that you're going to be on the TEDx stage in your homeland is because uh a few years ago, I think it's now been more than six years ago, I was asked to teach a class, public speaking, at the university where I live in Rexburg, Idaho, Brigham Young University, Idaho. And so I helped them with that. I said, sure, I'll teach a public speaking class. And then they said, how about this other class where they do professional presentations, everything about PowerPoint, but one of the assignments is to give a TED-style talk. Of course, they can't call them TED Talks because TED is very strict on branding, as everyone should be very strict on their branding. But I still took students and I still take them through, the, through that process of learning how to find that one idea that's worth spreading on the stage. So I've done that with hundreds of students now. And as I got started, though, in my hometown, a student actually started a TEDx Rexburg event. And I found out that next door, 30 miles away, there was another event, TEDx Idaho Falls, and I attended them. And then when they found out I was a public speaking coach, they said, would you coach our speakers? Because some of them could have used some help because they have a great idea. How often this is, do you have a great idea, but there's so much noise in what you're saying, nobody can hear your message. So I feel like that's my job that I have really come to value so much is to take out the noise. People say, how am I going to fill up 20 minutes? The first thing is you don't get 20 minutes and some of the best talks are five minutes and under because what we're doing, and it takes longer to create a talk like that, 
is we're taking out what doesn't belong. So your message, your one idea shines. I think it was Ben Franklin, and and, and I'm not 100% certain, but I'm just going to give him credit for right now, uh, <laughs> for saying, if I would have had more time, I would have written the shorter memo. Yes. And you know, talking long, and I can only speak out of my own experience, and maybe you can uh, identify with that. Talking long is easy. Being brief and getting your point through, that's hard, my Elisa. It is. And that's what I spend the time doing is if you are too verbose in your application, or, or if you wrote several sentences in your application, and they said, say it in 15 words, they're looking for reasons not to put you on the stage. And the reason is because so many people want to be there. You've got to think of it as if you're finding a job. And so how do you, when there's so many other people who have great ideas, maybe even in your own field, how do you raise, um, how do you come above the others so that they say, ah, I want to, I want to hear Brigida. Yeah. And that, you know, that being different, that it's almost like questioning the status quo. Yes. I don't know how many, how many TEDx stages are there out there? Do you know? When I started, there were 300 licenses given around the world. Today, there are over 4,500 licenses. What? Yeah. Did that kind of mushroom, I, I don't know if mushroom is a good uh, choice of words, but I'll use it anyway, yeah. through the pandemic? You know, through the pandemic, some of the stages closed down. So it, it came down a little bit, but licenses are given. Not all of them end up happening because of things like the pandemic. But if you go just to TED.com, and anyone can do this and say, attend a TEDx event, you will see somewhere between six and 12 events happening today. So I'd say on the average, wow. there are eight or nine events happening somewhere around the world every day, 365 days of the year. Wow. So there's a lot of great content out there. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I just recently, um, it, I think it was yesterday that I was talking to someone. Oh, it was my hairdresser. I got my hair cut <laughs> yesterday. It was my hairdresser. And we were talking about TED and uh, TEDx stages. And um, he said, there's this TED talk about uh, neuro, um, uh, neuroscience and, and, and analogy with the tree. And I immediately looked it up. I didn't know about it, but there's so much great value out there. And because we went, you know, as you said, we, we went from 300 licenses to 4,000, it is also getting, I would say noisier with mm -hmm. all of those experts out there. How do you cut through that noise? Well, you have to really yourself, let me ask you questions and be honest about those answers and say, of all of this, if you could only say one thing, what is it? And it's almost like if you're at the end of your life and you want to make sure you're passing this on to your kids and their posterity and so forth, of all of this, what's the most important? So for you, it's listening. And it's lots of people talk about listening. Someone who I followed, you know, starting 30 years ago, who's now passed away, Stephen Covey talked a lot about listening. And you know, I have a discussion about that. So how do you become another expert about listening that's different or that how listening has changed because of the pandemic? You always have to take not just something you're passionate about, but why you're the one to share it and why it needs to be heard today. Yeah, I, I think that is that is key right there, because there are many if if you if I Google and I did, you know, if, if I look for TED Talks on listening, there's plenty out there. Yes. 
right? Mm -hmm. And um, going through the application process, and I went through many applications, not just mm -hmm. in Germany. I, you know, I applied in Stuttgart, Berlin, uh, Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going now. Munich, mm -hmm. uh, several here in the States. I think it was Chattanooga, Atlanta, and some others, Birmingham. Um, yeah, the, the application process is that it's, it's, it's the, it's the going through and cutting out the noise and standing out where they go, Ooh, I, we want to learn more about that. We want to yeah. hear more about that. Well, and you just gave the answer that many need to realize, don't get on the stage and tell me something I can Google. Save the things that are strictly the thing that only Brigida can come and share from Brigida's perspective, because I haven't ever thought about it the way she has. And, that, and you want them saying, wow, I've never thought about it that way. You want them to become better listeners and you want it to be a simple little thing. You don't want to overwhelm like a, you got to stand on your head and rub your tummy at the same time. You just want something simple that will take them from not listening as closely to their spouse or child or client that why wow, you made a difference that one little thing helped them move forward and transform and it's not meant to be inspirational or motivational you don't want to say oh that was so great i'm going to be a better listener and then they don't do anything so number so, one maybe someone hasn't said how to or why it's so important but then you want it to be actionable it's an idea we're spreading yeah there's so on a tedx stage you're not allowed to sell no you're not selling but and the point that you just made is you want to have a clear call to action not in in sale but to give to give the audience or the listener to here are your next steps apply mm -hmm. this so it'll actually make a difference in your life yeah you know, let me give you an example um one of the processes i use is called the five whys and so an example of that might be people aren't writing in their journals well and that even though it's important, well, why aren't they? Because they think it takes so much time or it's too hard to do and there's no time to find. I mean, I think everybody could relate that um, we should probably write down some things, but we think, oh, I don't have time to do it. But if you go down to that and know that they would have better records, life, of, um, their days could be better because they reflect on it. But you're telling them if you just write one sentence a day, that's doable. Now, it may not be this genius idea, but sometimes the most helpful ideas are the simplest. I mean, we even find that in the in the in the parables and stories in the Bible is some people would put it aside because it's it's too easy to do. But your idea just needs to be clear. Let me give you an example on the TEDx stage. About a dozen years ago, Joe Smith spoke and he spoke in four and a half minutes. And when he got up, he gave a big number of how much stuff we could save trees and so forth. And then he said, if we would just use one paper towel and shake our hands before we use the paper towel in the public restroom. So he divides that, you know, you and I were talking about getting the audience involved. He said, okay, this side of the room is um, shake. This side of the room is fold. He had two a soapy water and a clear water. He had about six different types of paper towels from around different restrooms in the building and other, and other buildings close by. And so he would put his hands in, and then he would say shake and then 12 times and he'd do something fun like why 12? Well, there's 12 months, 12 zodiacs, 12 apostles, whatever. <laughs> so it was memorable. I mean, I've never forgotten this talk, right? Yeah. 
And then he said, your job is to say fold. So fold, he says, okay, here's this paper towel. It's a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. It's from this restroom, that restroom. Now fold it in half. So shake 12 times, fold it in half, and every time your hands are going to come dry with only one paper towel. Now, whether you're into it because of saving the economy or not, that is engaging. It's simple. And I can't walk into a public restroom without using one paper towel <laughs> to say. You will always remember that talk. And you know it's worth spreading when you're talking to another coach in Australia about this talk. And she said, I was just in the airport and this woman shook her hands 12 times, folded it. And I said, Joe Smith. And she said, you got it. <laughs> 12 years that, later. That's the kind of legacy, right? Yeah. Right. And and it's, it, I, I want to reiterate, it's, it's engaging, it's simple, it's memorable. Mm -hmm. um, One of the most memorable is Bill Gates, who I used to watch him present. I used to be in software. I was a regional sales manager in the Silicon Valley when I started out. And I would attend the big computer shows. And he would, you know, come in all like he hadn't even slept or combed his hair or anything. Brilliant man, but not an engaging speaker. But on the TEDx stage, when he now is talking about his new passion, which is about um, vaccinations, and this one was about malaria and helping people, he has all of these high-level people who have paid big money to sit on the front row of the once-a-year TED event that's four days long, three sessions a day, eight speakers in each one. And, this, and he's talking about, we spend more money on male pattern baldness than we do on solving the malaria problem. And he takes and he says, why should they in Africa be the only ones to suffer from this? And he opens up a container to release mosquitoes into the room. And they are jumping off the rows. Like it is so memorable. It's this wow moment that people remember from the TED stage is when he unleashed mosquitoes. Plus he has this big image up on the screen of a mosquito stinger on a finger full of blood. So, I mean, it's coming in, like he's getting this point across. That's a wow moment. Now, truth be told is he didn't really release mosquitoes. And it was as, it was one of those plastic containers where you put CDs, a whole spindle, and it was just empty. That's all it was. But it got the point across. So what is your wow moment? Nancy Duarte is someone who did a TEDx talk on the secret structure of a talk. And in there, she said, you've got to have something they'll always remember. She calls it a star moment. Same thing, the wow moment. So what is that memorable? It's not to be a big thing. It's just something that's there. And they go, oh, Joe Smith, Bill Gates mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm so thrilled that you say that again, because it gets me personally thinking again, yeah. how can I make that wow moment even greater? right? Because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not just going to go on that stage. And I think everyone that's applying for, you know, speaking on the TEDx stage, it is not a simple task. Okay. Oh. It is a very lengthy and a very, you know, to, to speak it in Brene Brown's words, a very vulnerable task as well. Yeah. So, so make and it you asked, Yeah. And you asked, you answered your own question there. I wonder what I could do. That's exactly what a person needs to do is say now, I wonder what I should take out. I wonder what I should keep in. I wonder what I could do to make this more impactful. I wonder what I could do to make this more engaging. Ask yourself those questions. And of course, test it with people too. 
So at, yeah. at this stage, if you're out then giving it to different people, not worrying about they're not going to watch my TEDx talk, then I'm not going to get as much views. You are doing it because you want the people who do watch it then later to say, oh, you've got to listen to Brigida. Yeah, the, the testing is a big, big piece. And, you know, in, in NLP, in the training that I do with people in, in, in large organizations or with entrepreneurs, there is a um, there's a, a strategy called TOTE, T-O-T-E, test, operate, test, exit. Mm -hmm. So I'm in that test, operate, test, the T-O-T, test, operate, test. Uh, phase right now where I'm getting feedback as I'm operating and then I'm testing again. So at the end, the result is going to be the exit. And that's what you guys are going to see lastly on, on stage in Frankfurt. I'm excited about that. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. And I'm excited about that result. Well, we're going to talk again to make sure that we're taking some more noise out, making it more engaging, right? For sure. For sure. That taking the noise out and being very specific and and not diluting um, your talk by just filling the ether with noise, right? Yeah. By mm -hmm. truly being, in, I think, intentional, right, is is the is the right term here. Yes. Being intentional with your message. Because here's the um, thing: is you should be able to say your idea in one sentence. That's why a lot of TEDx stages ask you. What's your idea in 10 words, 15 words, one sentence, one to two sentences? They all ask a little bit differently. But that one idea can be a whole book. Like The Art of War is all written around one idea, a few pages in, call, and, and what it is is all of warfare is deception. And um, Brene Brown is there's power in vulnerability. Simon Sinek is people don't care what, um, don't buy what you do or how you do it. They buy why you do Why? it and so he can talk about it for 15 minutes or less he can write a book about it he can give a keynote speak that's 45 speech that's 45 minutes or 60 minutes a, do a three-day seminar on it and then branch off but it all comes down to start with why which is the shorter version of people don't buy what you do or, or how you do it they buy why you do it yeah i don't know um the the two stars well in my in my view they're stars right mm -hmm. uh brene brown uh has a very similar backstory to you doesn't she um yeah in some ways she is a research professor and she did research on guilt and shame for 10 years and then in houston she was asked to come to her local tedx event and share with them what had she learned from that and she is a great, not only is she is a great scientist, but she is a great storyteller. So she could marry those two together. She didn't even know when she got on the stage she was being recorded because it was newer in the TEDx days. And part of Brene and Simon Sinek's fame, especially Simon says, is look, it was the timing. And like mm -hmm. we said, now it's so crowded. So they were new, it was novel. And then when there was a great idea like, like either of theirs, but um, She's, if you listen to the beginning of her TED talk, they were both invited to speak on the TED stage then, which happens once a year in April. Um, she said, I wasn't prepared to find that in two years, 4 million people had watched my talk. But she just so honestly gave what she had learned from studying our shame and guilt. And that is be vulnerable. There's power and vulnerability. And not only that, 
she was vulnerable on the stage. That she was horrified to find out I was now going to go on the internet. She said it got to the point where I would walk into stores and they go, "Mommy, there's that vulnerable me." <laughs> she wasn't well prepared for it, but it's done her well. So she just leaned into it like we need to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, her and si she had Simon Sinek on her podcast. I think it was during the pandemic. I don't know if you listened to that podcast. It I is, didn't. I have to listen to that. Listen to that. It one. is. I've listened to it so far four times, and every time the first time I didn't take notes, the second time, third time, and then fourth fourth time, I took notes. And I will listen to it again. It's so rich. And you know what? The most beautiful thing was that Simon what? Sinek. It was during the pandemic that they recorded it. And Simon was so vulnerable to say, I kind of lost, you know, during the lockdown, the connection to my why. Mm -hmm. And it gives me the goosebumps because it, yeah. it makes him it's so. When you said that. It makes, yeah. It, and it proves the point of what they're both speaking about, right? Um, so I'm going to put it out there. They're both going to be on the success pattern show. And, um, I, yes, I'm, I'm, I, have, I have a whole list of people that are going to be on the Success Pattern Show, and Brene Brown and Simon Sinek are two of them for sure. Well, there's um, another TEDx talk, The Seven Degrees of Separation of Kevin Bacon. So who's listening out here that knows somebody that knows? I do know someone who knows Brene Brown, and, and I, but they don't like to just be reached out that quickly. But, but yes, I mean, it'll happen. So put it out there, and somebody in your audience will help you with this. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, there is a difference between a TEDx stage because you just spoke about it. You know, Brene Brown first was on a TEDx stage and then she was invited on the TED stage. What's the difference? TED started back in 1984, if you can imagine, in the Silicon Valley. And it stands for Technology, Entertainment and Design, TED. And the ex thing about California, that's what they're known for, right? And so they would get together, the experts in technology, entertainment design would get together for an annual conference. And they said, we don't want you to talk about everything. Just tell us what's new this year. That's why it went from 45 minute keynote to 18 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. And that continues to this day. The only time it didn't happen was the, the year of the pandemic. Then it was virtual the next last year. And then it was live this year. And then people who would attend it would say, I want to do a TED event in my region. And that's when they started saying, okay, we'll give licenses. It'll be very highly, you know, there's a whole set of rules. You can go on and see what those rules are on TED.com. And they gave all those licenses and there were 300 and then 600 and then a thousand. And then, you know, we're up to the four thousands now. And a TEDx, it, the X stands for independently organized. And mm -hmm. we, really, we really should say I am a TEDx Rexburg speaker or I'm a TEDx um, Frankfurt speaker because the license is given for that. And so when people, people will mix them up all the time and say TED and TEDx, but there is a difference. The main stage, the nonprofit, the organizing group is TED, and they are the ones who grant licenses to universities or cities and even businesses to hold their own regional event. So people, speakers that are looking to speak ultimately on a TED stage, not a TEDx stage, are being vetted through the TEDx stages, I would yes. assume. You can apply right on TED.com to be a TED speaker. It just doesn't really happen that way. Um, I got a chance to listen to the 10 finalists where TED was doing a search for ideas in Africa. So they, 
right now they're doing Southeast Asia. So if there's anybody listening and you're and you live in Southeast Asia or you're descended from Southeast Asia, you have till about a month before you would need to submit a video pitching your idea. And then they go through all of those and they will choose someone. Um, they choose down to 10 and then other people will, will listen to them and vote on them. So I got to be a part of that with Africa just recently. I haven't heard the results yet. So they're always, always looking. And I don't remember your original question. What was it? But I thought that was important to share. Yeah. Uh, the question was, um, I can't so remember the question. There's so many, there's so many stages to, to apply. To, oh yeah. Is whether you apply to Ted.com if you want to get. Oh on yeah. So there's Ted women that's coming up and, and that's, so Ted is held in April. Ted women is held usually the first part of December or somewhere around there. That's usually in Palm Springs. And then you can apply to get a TEDx women license. So let's say that TEDx Rexburg decides to have not only a standard event, but they want to do a TEDx Rexburg women event. Then they also apply for that license and then they can have that at the end of the year. So some people, some of those have already closed and some of those are open right now. So you might be that you want to get on a TEDx women's stage too. So there are lots of different varieties, but mainly it's TED and TEDx. And the way you would get on a TED is them hearing you do really well on TEDx and people say, oh my goodness, you've got to listen to Brene Brown or Simon Sinek. In fact, Simon Sinek wasn't even the, the one originally asked to speak at the TEDx Puget Sound. Someone who was asked said, oh no, you need to listen to, to Simon Sinek. And so he came on because someone recommended him. There are really three ways to get on a TEDx stage. Some stages are only going to pull out speakers. They're going to get together and say, our community is concerned about these issues. We want to hear about these topics. Who are the experts? Let's go out and find them around the world and invite them in. Others will say, hey, you've just been at this TEDx event. Who do you know who should speak next year? Nominate them. And so mm -hmm. I can say, Brigitte, I'd put in and say, "This is I've heard her speak. This is what she speaks about. Oh, you've got to listen to it. Now, don't turn that into a campaign saying, let's have hundred people recommend you because they, you know, you're these are volunteers. They're just looking for the recommendation. And then the other one is you actively know you have a message inside of you. It's time to share it. You may be nervous about it. You may say, I don't know how to apply or you've applied, you've been rejected and you don't know why you never heard back. There are so many speakers and some stages don't have time to get back to you. Yeah. But there are three ways then to get on, on that stage, apply yourself, be nominated or be asked. It's that simple. And once once you have applied to a TEDx stage and you have not been called back or denied or whatever language we're going to use for that, can you reapply for the next time round? You could. Uh, and often, though, it's be, it, we shouldn't feel take it as a personal rejection if we get a no. We can't get a yes until we get a no. And we can't get a yes or a no. We get an automatic no if we don't apply. Right. So Amen. Stop, in fact, I need to stop and tell you, I just took on a private client and we had only had our very first meeting. And I happened to on my Facebook page for the speakers. I just came across this one. I felt like I should just normally I don't post it on the Facebook. I'll say, oh, this speaker, that speaker, I'll send it. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Guess what? He got an audition yesterday. He texted me and said, I'm auditioning for that TEDx one. So I didn't even know he applied. He just he just saw it and did it. And God got the audition. His audition is this Friday. And I think back to someone in, a, in an earlier group than you, and she just went gung-ho. If you're coachable and you're an action taker, 
you're going to get that yes much faster. And within three weeks, she had landed an audition. And then by five weeks there, they said, yep, you're going to be on our stage. And guess what? She has a new job because of that talk she gave in March. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man, we, we could talk about TEDx um, and, and all of the perks and all of the fails and things to not do all day long. Uh, I mean, it, it's easy to speak with Maya Lisa. Um, and Maya Lisa, I think you have brought a gift for people to, uh, for you to share with everyone. Yeah, well, you don't know me very well yet, and maybe you don't know if you'd want to work with me, but you might want to know that I've put together some things, something called this um, seven TEDx application fails, things that you can just look at yourself and say, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. And it's really about getting your message out there. These are seven things that create noise in your application. So these are seven TEDx fails. So I would love to give that to you. Now, when you awesome. do sign up for that, if you scroll down um, before you're uh, filling it out, there is a link to my calendar. And that would be reserved for someone who said, I really do have a message. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know how to get the noise out. I don't know how to apply. Let's have a conversation and we'll talk about your path to the TEDx stage, just like Brigitte and I did. Yeah. Because look at her. She's going to speak now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? Don't, for, and this is for all the listeners out there. Just because you have been invited to speak on other stages does not necessarily make you a good TEDx speaker. I'm just going to put that out there because I, I am, and this is not me patting myself on the shoulder, but from feedback from other people, I'm a great trainer. I'm a great speaker, but I needed that step-by-step from Maya Lisa to get out of my head and, and really narrow down very specifically on what it is that I'm going to talk about for 16 minutes. It's going to be even less than 16 minutes. And, and you're an action tape taker and you're very coachable. And that's why you were so successful. You were also successful quite quickly as well. Even though there's like six or seven stages that you're applying to, just apply. But when, before you apply, look at those application fails. And if you want to do take another step, then get a coach and some, that who can help you get the noise out there so that you can stand about it. So think about it as applying for a job. I have a tech background. I used to live in the Silicon Valley, was unaware that TED, TED events were happening back then early in my career. And um, if I'm going to now look for a job in IT um, and I am applying to Apple, Microsoft and a startup, they are very different companies with very different whys, very different missions. And so just like they're interviewing you, you need to be interviewing interviewing them. Am I the right fit? Are they the right fit for me? But think of it. If you're looking for a job, what do you do with people who have the exact same skills as you in this exact same field? Somehow you need to rise to the top. And one of the reasons, one of the ways you do that is you're clear, you're concise, you're compelling, and you challenge the status quo. And you solve a problem, a, an actionable thing someone can take away and do. There are lots of TEDx types. I mean, there's a big idea, a little idea. There's an issue you turn into an idea. There's, uh, you know, voices from the arts, from the sciences and so forth. So you're, there really is no secret formula to your TEDx talk. And you don't have to do it in a template way, but you ask questions and you say, what is going to best represent my idea? Who's it going to help? How can I help them? How can I make it more impactful? What should I take out? What should I keep in? 
And that's what a coach can help you with. Boom. So it's, uh, it's HTTPS colon double slash ML, like for Maya Lisa, yes. ML speaks, ML speaks.com slash TEDx application fails. Yep. So ML speaks.com slash TEDx application fails. Um, and that's also where people can, can get in touch with you, not just download that, but can get in touch with you. I say, everyone, uh, get with Maya Lisa. It's highly entertaining and very, uh, and you're going to learn a whole lot if you're ready to step outside your comfort zone because she will, she will kindly push you out of that. <laughs> I speak from experience. <laughs> Maya Lisa, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom. Um, and I, we will have a another success pattern show with Maya Lisa after I come back from Frankfurt. And I can't wait to, hopefully they'll live stream it, but if not, four to six weeks after you're in Frankfurt, we get to see this. So I hope everybody listening is ready to share that talk because we wanna think who needs to hear this? And, and the truth be told, all of us could be better listeners. Yep. Those are wise words at the very end. Thank you for being here, guys. Tune in again next week, next uh, same time, same place here on the Success Pattern Show on Tuesday. Thanks, Maya Lisa. Ciao, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Success Pattern Show at www.thesuccesspatternshow.com. My name is Brigitte Hufelet. 